Imagine being given a free weekend at an all-inclusive resort in the Caribbean. You are so excited, you can't believe it. But you don't know all-inclusive includes the food and the drinks. You're just so grateful that you can fly there for free and you can stay in a beautiful hotel on the beach for free. And you get there and you see people going into the restaurants and they've got big smiles on their faces. And you stay outside kind of where you have free iced tea and free crackers because you don't really have the money to spend on the food because you don't know that it's included in the all-inclusive. You're still grateful. You're grateful to be at the resort. You're grateful to have been given this free week of relaxation and enjoyment. So you're okay with it, but you see other people going in and eating the food and having the drinks and having a much better time than you. You know, in some ways, I think that's a picture of our relationship with God. We're so grateful that we've been invited to the place where He is. We're so grateful that we get to go to the resort and it's free. No cost, salvation, we're just there. But we don't realize there's so much more that's available to us that is also free, that's included in the death and resurrection of Christ, that is available for us. And rather than just being there, we actually get to go in and have a celebration with him, to be with him. We're launching into our Christmas season here where there's great joy for one reason, Emmanuel, God with us. That is the theme of Christmas. Not us with God, which is oftentimes what we're trying to do, but God with us. He wants to be with you. And he wants to be with you in a way that you may not even imagine, like the gentleman at the resort, just thinking being there in the neighborhood was good enough. You know, Emmanuel is not just a Christmas theme. It's not just a story of the Christmas time or even Jesus. It is the story of the Bible, Genesis through Revelation, which means it's the story of God's reality for us. And in these next few minutes, I want to walk you through the entire Bible story and show you how Emmanuel, God with us, lays out a blessing and an opportunity for us based upon God's desire, not necessarily our desire, to be with us. And you may be surprised as to how significantly God wants to be with you and what he has done to make a way so that he can be with you and you with him. As we know, the Bible story begins in Genesis where God created humankind he created man and woman, and he would have a regular visitation with them. They would meet together. They would talk together. And then there was sin. Adam and Eve decided that they would replace God with their own desires. But in that story, we have an insight into God's passion for wanting to be with his creation. Here's what it says in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? Imagine this scene. God comes down for his garden walk with Adam and Eve. But they're hiding out because they now have shame because of the decision they make. But for God, the question is, Where are you guys? This is what is normal for God. 
walking in a garden with us every day, spending time with us. That's what he would define as a normal relationship with his creation. We see it as kind of a unique relationship, something that's so special, something that doesn't happen to me, but happens to other people. Imagine having a friend call you up and say, hey, let's get together for lunch tomorrow at noon. And your response is, I can't. And she asks you, why not? Oh, I've got an appointment with God. We're going to go for a walk in my garden together. That's how normal God wants to be in a relationship with you. That's how normal the God with us is and his desire. Do not buy into the lie that God spending time with you, being present with you, is some radically unique, special thing that only happens once a year or once in a strange moment when you're especially devout in your faith. God, he wants to be with you. And for him, that's very normal. Well, as you know the story, Adam and Eve have to leave the garden because now there is sin. But God's not done. He wants to continue to make sure he has a way to be with his people. So God selects a man by the name of Abraham. And through this man, he's going to work out a plan so he can be Emmanuel, God with us. And he adds an element to his plan now that gives us an insight into how important it is to God that he be with you. It's by establishing a covenant with Abraham and ultimately with us through Christ. Here's what Genesis 17, 7 says. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. To understand the significance of this, you have to understand the definition of a covenant in biblical times. Here's what God is doing. He is making a legal binding contract on himself. He says, I will establish a covenant with you. He's not making a legal binding contract on us. He's not saying, now you better do these things. He's saying, no, I'm putting it on me. I'm the one who will set up a covenant with you. And I will make this legal and binding. What God is saying to Abraham and to you and I, Knowing that story, what he is telling us is that he will not change his mind. He will not waver back and forth. He will not accept you and want to be with you on one day and then six months later decide, no, I had enough. Anytime you're in a relationship with people, oftentimes they fluctuate on how much they want to be with you. If you're in a hard stage, sometimes people disappear because they just don't want to be around people who are in a hard time. God makes a statement to you and to me, and he says, I am putting it on me. I always want to be with you. And I'm going to make a way where it is legally binding that I will be with you. Abraham had a son, Isaac, who had a son, Jacob. And then Jacob has these 12 sons that are kind of the framework for the nation of Israel. And as you know the story, one of the sons, Joseph, sold into slavery but ends up in Egypt where he's able not only to save the Egyptians from famine but his own family. And they all move to Egypt and they're in Egypt living quite a good life. But over the years, the pharaohs change. Israel grows into a nation and being a threat to the pharaohs, 
The pharaohs now make them slaves, and for 400 years they live in slavery until God raises up a man by the name of Moses who delivers them out of slavery. They're only supposed to wander into the, through the wilderness for a few months where they can enter then the promised land. But when they get to the edge of the promised land and they see the giants, fear and doubt take over. God must really not want to be with us. He must not really be able to work through us. And they reject God's plan. And now they have to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And yet it is while they're wandering in the wilderness because of their rejection of God's plan, God says, I want to be with you. In this moment, I want to be with you. And the way I'm going to be with you is I want you to build a tabernacle. That's a physical uh, presence that I will have with you. Here's what it says in Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. Have them make a tabernacle for me, and I will dwell among them. It's like God is saying, you build the structure, and I will be with you. It's not enough for me just to come down to the over a day and talk to you. I want to be permanently with you. I want you to see that tabernacle and know 24-7, I am present. And what's so interesting about this is he has them do this while they are wandering because of their sin. Oftentimes, as Christians, we have this thought in our mind. We have the thought that God wants to be with me when I'm in a place of holiness, when I'm fasting, when I'm reading my Bible, when I'm going to church and tithing and doing all the right things, then God wants to be with me. But in the narrative of Emmanuel, God with us, God inserts a storyline where he says, when you are wandering, when you're lost, and you're lost because of your choice to go against my purpose, that's when I want to be with you. That's when I want you to know 24-7. I am present with you. Some of you right now who are watching and listening, you have made choices and lived your life in a way that hasn't glorified God and you know that and you can't imagine that God wants to be with you. Trust his word while the Israelites wandered. God said, build a tabernacle. I want to be present while you're wandering. They wander for a generation, and now they're ready to enter into the promised land. And you know the story. Moses is replaced by Joshua, and Joshua now enters into the promised land with the Israelites, and there's tribes, and they settle in the promised land. And here's what it says in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 13. Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land forever. As the story goes on, we have another wrinkle in what Emmanuel, God is saying, listen, I'm going to give you something together. I'm going to bless you together. God with us is not God with me. It's God with us. And God knew that if we were really going to experience his presence, we would have to experience it together. So he puts it in his narrative of what his plan of salvation is. And he brings this blessing to the Israelites of this promised land. There's another passage where he tells them, you know what? You're going to eat fruit from gardens you didn't plant. You're going to live in houses you didn't build. You are not going to have to do all of the laboring and all of the striving to acquire my presence and what I want. 
I'm going to bless you with that. In a sense, I'm going to give you the reward of this promised land. And part of the promise of God and part of what he wants us to know is when he says, I will be with you, Emmanuel, he wants us to know how significant it is that he said, I'll be with all of you together. For us, the application, you want to experience God's presence? Do it together. Come to church. Be with other believers. There is a blessing and a strength in that. You do not have to try to navigate a relationship with God alone. You don't have to figure it out alone. You don't have to figure out where he is alone. You can do it together. The Israelites settled. And then for hundreds and hundreds of years, the story goes along through the Old Testament, how they have kings and how they have prophets and how they have the same problems oftentimes societies and nations have today. They're invaded by other nations. They have civil wars. They have conflict over higher taxes. They reject God. A prophet stands up and speaks to them about coming back to God. Some of their kings were good and honored God. Some of their kings were not good and did not honor God. They're kind of living through their life. And God is building this up to the fulfillment of his plan of salvation so Emmanuel can really take place. Silence. As far as we know, there's not a prophet. There's not a word from God. It doesn't sound like Emmanuel, does it? When there's 400 years of silence. And even that is part of God's story to us. Because there may be a season where you feel like God is silent, but he's not. He's there, he's present, and he's preparing you for Emmanuel. Just like he was the nation of Israel. Because after 400 years of silence, God speaks. And what's interesting when he speaks, he speaks as a father to a son. For the nation of Israel, this would be a whole different idea of God. God is a father. Here's the words of God recorded in John 14, verse 9 and 10. Here's what Jesus says. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Don't you believe that I am in the father and that the father is in me? God wants Emmanuel to take place in such a powerful way that he says, you know what? It's not enough for me to just kind of come down in spirit and have a conversation. It's not enough for me to have this binding legal contract. It's not enough for me to have a physical building called a tabernacle or a temple. I want them to see me. So God comes down in flesh and there is a visibility but when he chooses to show himself, he shows himself as the son in a relationship with the father. Now, I know some of you who are watching and listening have not had good relationships with your father. I want you to understand what God is doing in terms of his message to the people in light of the history of that time. God would never be seen as a father. That would almost be seen as a bit sacrilegious. There's very few references in the Old Testament to God as father. God is completely changing or advancing the narrative here when he's saying, when I talk about Emmanuel, I'm not talking about coming down as a super mystic. I'm not talking about coming, I'm talking about coming down as a father with a son and God with flesh on. God who feels what you feel. God who knows the struggles you have. God who knows the desire of your heart. 
to have a father who loves you, who gets you, who wants to be with you, who lifts you up, who affirms you, who created you and sees such incredible value in you. Never shortchange God's idea of Emmanuel. He doesn't want to just come down for a minute. He doesn't want you just to be aware of his presence. He wants to be your dad. So he sends his son Jesus to die and to resurrect. We know the story of how it goes. You know, Jesus has a three years of ministry. And at the end of the three years of ministry, it concludes with Jesus on the cross. He comes to the cross, he dies, and he resurrects again. And he makes this statement to the disciples, which I think is really important. When he's talking to them, he's talking about his plan and God's plan. And he talks about the Holy Spirit. And he says this in John chapter 14. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. Now, I want you to try to picture this. Here's God creating the universe and creating humankind. He talks with them. But then they sin, and there's a rejection, and he makes a covenant. But God wants to be with his people. And it's not enough just to kind of be present in spirit. He wants to be with them. So he says, build a tabernacle. Put some mortar to it so I can be present with you 24-7. But that's not enough. God wants to get closer to his people. It's not enough just to be present kind of in this building. So he says, I'm going to come down there. And Jesus, the Son of God, comes and he walks and he talks with the people. But God says, be closer to them because in human form, Jesus is limited as to how many people he can see and talk to. So Jesus says, I'm going to send, ask the Father and he's going to send you his spirit. It's as if God is saying, you know what Emmanuel is? Emmanuel is not me coming to be with you separate. It's me coming to join you, to be in you. Emmanuel is unrestricted. Not defined by geography, not defined by class or race or economic status. When Jesus says, the Father will send the Holy Spirit, he is giving an insight into Emmanuel that says, everybody, that's who God wants to have access to. Everybody. That's who God wants to be intimate with. Everybody. And some of you who are listening to this, you look at other Christians who just seem to do a much better job of being a Christian than you do. Their status, their faith, their devoutness. And you think to yourself, oh, that's who God wants to be with. But in this part of the storyline, when God says, no, the Spirit of God's going to come down, he is making this unequivocal statement, I want to be with everybody. And through this narrative, layer on layer, we begin to get an understanding of the richness and the depth of which God wants to be with you. How normal it is, how intimate it is, how relational it is as a father to a son. Is that how you see Emmanuel? Is that how you see your relationship with God and more importantly, his relationship with you? You see, it's at a place like this where we have to have an enormous trust in God's word. You may not feel it, but do you believe God at his word? Because this is how he describes 
and tells us how he wants to be with us. Well, there's one last part of the story, of course, and that is the fact that when Jesus ascends and the Holy Spirit comes and he fills the Christians and the church is built and the church is on mission with God, Jesus doesn't just ascend and send the Holy Spirit. He ascends with a promise of the last chapter of this story. And this last chapter, again, is yet another insight into Emmanuel. Here's what Jesus told his followers in John 14, verse 3. I go and prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. If there is a final description of what Emmanuel is, it is the idea of permanence. You know, oftentimes you'll hear pastors say, you know, the best is yet to come. They're not lying to you. When Jesus ascended, he didn't want them to think that what they were experiencing, even with the Holy Spirit, what they were experiencing was it. That was not the final chapter. Friends, you and I, we're not living in the final chapter. There is a God who wants to walk with you every hour. He wants that to be your normal. And he's created a legal binding way in which that can happen. And he has a reward for you. And he sends his son and he sends his spirit all because of Emmanuel, his desire to be with you. But the last chapter, in some ways, is such an important chapter because he says, listen, there is a time coming where Emmanuel will take place like you can't even begin to imagine. You know, when you read the book of Genesis, it begins in a garden. When you read the book of Revelation, it ends describing this heavenly city, the new Jerusalem that comes down as a garden. Do you know what the Bible is saying? God gets what he wants. Do you know what God wants? He wants you. He wants to be with you. He wanted that in Genesis chapter 1 when he created humankind. He wants that throughout the story. And he wants that in Revelation. And he gets it. And my prayer is as we enter into this Christmas season, as there's all kinds of celebrations and there's, and there's things that we do in terms of the Christmas trimmings and there's church services and there's worship, don't forget Emmanuel, God with us. Not us with God, but his heart, his desire. God created Christmas, if I can put it that way because he wants to be with you. And if you are struggling to embrace this, I want to pray for you right now that you will discover a faith to trust him at his word when he says more than anything, I want to be with you because I love you. Let me pray for you. Lord, you know everyone who is watching and listening to this message right now. You know the status of their heart you know, our struggles and our doubts at times. And I pray right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, which you have given to us, each and every one of us would become clearly aware as we enter into this Christmas season that you want to be with us, that you love us, and your heart's desire is to be close to us. I pray, Lord, that you would instill by your Spirit a faith in each of us to trust you at your word.
I thank you for the scriptures that give us an insight and a declaration of Emmanuel. It is who you are because it is your heart's desire. We love you and we trust you and we receive you. Come walk with us through Christ. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Christmas season with Emmanuel.